Today on Know the Truth, a lesson from Philip DeCourcy. I love what John Stott says. Preaching is indispensable to Christianity because Christianity is based on the truth that God chose to use words to reveal Himself to humanity. If God has breathed out His Word for the world, it's got to be communicated to the world. Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip DeCourcy gives us a scriptural game plan to avoid false preaching in the last days. We're learning what it means to stay on message and in God's Word with a lesson from the Without Apologies series. If you missed the first part of this lesson titled Stay on Message, remember you can access Philip's entire sermon archive online over on our website at ktt.org or on the KTT app. Now, here's Pastor Philip with today's lesson. Now, as we turn to 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5, the Apostle Paul speaks to his young protege in the faith, Timothy, and he urges him to stay on message. What does he say? Preach the word. Do it when it's convenient. Do it when it's comfortable. Also, do it when it's inconvenient. Do it when it's uncomfortable. Paul urges Timothy to consistently preach what Paul has persistently preached across his lifetime, which is the whole counsel of God and the gospel of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Paul's death is imminent, and he needs to be comforted by a knowledge of the commitment of this young man to proclaim the gospel faithfully. This is Paul's dying wish. I mean, Timothy's heard many things from Paul, but nothing equals this. I'm about to depart. I've run the race. I've capped the faith. Now tell me, will you? Let's look at the text. We're going to cover a couple of things. If you want an outline, there's the coming, there's the charge, there's the contrast, and there's the continuity. Let's look at the coming. Verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing, that's the coming, the second appearing of Jesus Christ, and when he appears, so will his kingdom. That's a premillennial text, by the way. I believe the kingdom will come when the king comes. That seems to be the implication here. His return will be premillennial. He will come before the kingdom, and when he comes, he'll set up the kingdom. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So here's the backdrop to preaching. Here's the backdrop to the pulpit. God's holy throne and the coming of Jesus Christ in glorious power at the end of the tribulation with his saints to set up his kingdom to judge the nations. That's the stage that Paul sets for Timothy to preach. 
So what's the implication, guys? Timothy's preaching was to have a God-centered vision, a Christ-centered motive, and a judgment-centered perspective. I love what Elijah says before the wicked King Ahab. He comes with a message and he says, I'm not really standing before you. I'm declaring the word of God before whom I stand. Elijah preached with a God-centered vision and a judgment-centered perspective. That's why James will warn his readers and us not to be quick to take up the mantle of teacher because the teacher will be doubly judged. Hebrews 13, 17, the elder will give an account for those souls under his charge. That's the language of the New Testament. Every sermon ought to begin right here. The throne of God, the coming of Jesus Christ, judgment, accountability, eternity, weighty things, a sense of God and eternity should indeed mark the preaching of the Scriptures. The triune God will be at the foreground and eternity and judgment, heaven and hell will be at the background. People won't have the final judgment on the worth and value and impact of your ministry, God will. You know what, my early experiences as a preacher at my home church at Rothkill Baptist in Belfast, before you get up to preach or out to preach, you sat in what we called the vestry, which was a little adjacent room just off the pulpit area. And often a couple of the deacons would gather and we'd pray before the service and then ultimately they'd go out and you were left in there with your thoughts and your sermon notes. And to help you think about what you're about to do, they're in that little room that was just white walls, bare, and one text on the wall would be the words from the book of Genesis, Thou God seest me. Now that's a verse out of the story of Abraham and Hagar. But it was put there purposely. You went out with this idea, Thou God seest me. You see my preparation. You see my motive. You see my lack of love or love for your people or the lost that might be in that congregation. Thou God seest me. That pulls you up straight, I can tell you. That makes you go back over the week in your preparation and your heart and your walk in the Spirit. Thou God seest me. That's a sobering and searching thing. And it's the right note to send to the heart of the preacher before they open the book. Because that's what Paul's doing here. Therefore, before God, I charge you. Oh, we need to fear a sense of familiarity in the pulpit. What does Isaiah 66 verse 2 say? That God loves the man or the woman who trembles at his word. Where is that trembling? Where is that seriousness? Where is that weightiness? Because one of the things the devil loves to do is to smuggle into the soul of the pastor or into the life of the ministry a sense of familiarity, a sense of formality, where we become accustomed to holy things, to the handling of God's Word, and we have lost the wonder of it, and we have lost the weightiness of it. I fear the day, and you ought to fear the day that dawns in the life of a minister when he can speak of great things and make them small, and he can speak of God and make him seem as nothing. That's the unforgivable sin. Cheapening Christ. 
and trivializing the gospel. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, I can forgive a man a bad sermon. I can forgive the preacher almost anything if he gives me a sense of God. And if he gives me something for my soul, if he gives me the sense that though he is inadequate in himself, he is handling something which is very great and glorious, if he gives me some dim glimpse of the majesty of the glory of God and the love of Christ my Savior and the magnificence of the gospel, if he does that, I am in his debt and I am profoundly grateful. That's a beautiful quote. I can forgive a man almost anything if he gives me a sense of God. That's what Paul was asking of Timothy in this charge that comes in the light of the word here that Timothy is you mount the stairs to the pulpit, realize that God sees you. And you're going to give an account for your sermon and for the souls and the spirit with which you preach the word. That's to the background and to the foreground is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, moment by moment, getting nearer and nearer. The kingdom's coming, the curtains coming down, the glories of heaven, the rewards of faithful service. Let that fire the pulpit. So that's the coming. What about the charge? The charge. Well, the charge is simple. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure the word. Timothy was to be an impenitent expositor, unrepentant, unapologetic. Among the things he must pursue as a pastor of priority is this pursuit of laboring in the word and doctrine. Preach the word. Let your ministry be shaped by that. Preaching the word is how you fulfill the ministry primarily. In fact, even if you look at the other statements about being watchful and enduring afflictions and doing the work of evangelism, it's all tied into the Word because he's got to watch over his own soul before he preaches. Paul has said that on several occasions. Take heed to yourself. By the way, good preaching, Christ-exalted preaching, God-centered preaching will bring affliction. Faithful ministers of the gospel will suffer. What is evangelism but preaching the word? So you want to fulfill your ministry, Timothy? Preach the word. That's what you've got to give yourself to from head to toe. And you know what? This isn't isolated. This is throughout the pastoral epistles of First and Second Timothy and Titus. You go back to chapter 4 of his first letter. I quoted it earlier. Give yourself to reading and to exhortation. And let your progress in the Word and in sanctification be known to all. 1 Peter 5.17, elders that are worthy of double honor are those who labor, toil, work hard at the Word and doctrine. They don't download someone else's sermon and preach it. They do their own work, certainly with the help and insight of godly men. 
but they labor, they work hard, they're workmen in the word that need not be ashamed. In fact, that's why Paul here, in calling him to this, preached the word, be ready in season and out of season. Earlier, give him a kick in the pants in chapter 1, verse 6, because he needed to stir up the gift that was in him, given to him by the laying on of hands of the elders. And that gift was the preaching gift, teaching gift. And Timothy actually was going backwards a little rather than forwards. And so this whole letter stirs him up to a pulpit-centered ministry. Now, let's not disconnect chapter 4, verses 1 to 5 from the earlier verses of chapter 3. Let's not disconnect the this section from the preceding section. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good word. So after saying that, you know what? Don't forget the chapter divisions are not inspired. They're not even there. And immediately he goes on, Therefore I charge you, Preach the Word. Having given him the doctrine of the nature of Scripture, having talked about its nature and its ability, it leads to Christ, it reveals the mind of God, it matures the church, it's breathed out, inspired. It's a sovereign, saving, sufficient Word to the world. If God has breathed out His Word for the world, it's got to be communicated to the world. So Timothy, preach it. You've got to understand that connection. I love what John Stott says on preaching. Preaching is indispensable to Christianity because Christianity is based on the truth that God chose to use words to reveal himself to humanity. And then he says this. Every preacher needs to write this down. God's speech makes our speech necessary. What's the preacher's task? I can tell you it simply, and I remind myself of that often. It's my task to speak what God has spoken. Art Azurdia at the Shepherds Conference said, do you know what your task is, guys? To re-talk God's talk. He's the chef, you're the butler. Just deliver the food without messing it up or dropping the plate. Re-talk God's talk. Because you see, God's speech makes our speech necessary. God speaks through the creation. God speaks through the conscience. But in these last days, He has spoken through His Son. And we have the record of His Son in the writings of the apostles. And you know what? The prophets spoke of the coming of the Son. So we have in the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, the very word of the living God breathed out, inspired, inerrant. And God's speech makes my speech necessary. You want to know God? Well, let's go to the book and allow His Spirit in tandem with the Scriptures to show us what God is like, what is the purpose of creation, and most of all, the necessity of you and I coming to know Him by coming to know His Son, Jesus Christ, who made Him known and displayed His love on a cross, dying for our sins and taking our punishment. Oh, God is not silent, and neither should the church be. 
Its preachers and its pastors need to thunder forth the message of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. God's speech makes our speech necessary. Let's begin to look at this charge. There are several elements to this preaching call. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Let's stop there. The word preach is a Greek word, caruso. It carries the idea of herald, a herald. Paul is calling Timothy to herald the word. That's a very interesting word. A herald was a messenger sent by the king, an ambassador or a messenger who would go forth from the court of the king with the authority of the king, with a word from the king. And when he got to a village or a town, he would simply unroll the scroll and he would go, maybe not in old Elizabethan English, but it kind of makes the point, hear ye, hear ye. And the people would gather and he would herald the king's edict. This would remind us, number one, to preach precisely. Preach precisely. It's the herald's job to communicate the king's word exactly as it was written and accurately as he finds it. Bottom line, the pastor, preacher, the biblical expositor must be biblical. He mustn't read a text, close the Bible, and then dribble on for 40 minutes with some pop psychology, some political issue, some contemporary trend of the day. No, as Walter Kaiser teaches, he must preach with his finger on the text. And he must keep coming back to the text to justify what he's saying, or else he's got no justification to say what he's saying, certainly no authority. The text must be the foundation of what he needs to say, not a springboard for what he wants to say. He must expose the meaning of the text in its original context, and he must then accurately and contemporarily apply it to his people. So what's Paul calling Timothy to? Exposition of the text. What's he tell him not to do? Imposition on the text. Using the Bible to say what you want to say. It's our job to retalk God's talk. It's our job to speak what God has spoken and let the text speak. Preachers not to preach himself. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, Paul says what? We preach not ourselves, but the Lord Jesus. Run from preachers that talk about themselves a lot. Preachers not to preach himself. The preachers not to preach error. He's to rightly divide the word of truth so they need not be ashamed. That's stated in the context of false teaching that was affecting the church at Ephesus, 2 Timothy 2.15. He's not to preach felt needs. Paul will address this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is the church, not the world. The church. They will not endure sound doctrine, but listen, intensely by their votes and by their feet, they will elect men who indeed will speak to their desires. But according to their own desires, they have itching ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers that will speak to those felt needs and those desires and those wishes and ambitions. 
They will turn their ears away from the truth. But you, Timothy, fulfill the ministry. To preach the word, not himself, not error, not felt needs, not hobby horses. Listen, guys, the expositor is not a free man. He is bound by Scripture. He labors under the magnificent tyranny of the gospel. The script is set. His task is to speak what God has spoken, nothing more and nothing less. Oh, he can work on his communication. He needs to think through his introduction. He needs to think through his conclusion. He needs to think through the logic of his exposition. But it's all in the surface of making the text clear. Hey, credit where credit's due. We just buried him. But credit where credit's due. Old Billy Graham, when he preached, would hold his Bible up in every second or third sentence. What would he famously say? The Bible says. That's the calling of the preacher. There is nothing more important than being in line with God's Word. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and a lesson titled Stay on Message. If you joined us late today, be sure to catch up on this lesson by downloading the KTT app or podcast. Just search your favorite app store or podcast platform for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy or listen online at ktt.org. Well, Philip, today's message was a good reminder that as we walk through this dark world, we must first watch, pray, and take heed of our own souls And then we can shine brightly to others and draw them to Christ. And in a world getting darker each day, this is an urgent matter. That's true, Wayne. We're living in dark, unsettling, and unstable times. It's been said that it gets darkest just before the dawn. And we see that in the Bible. The days leading up to Jesus' return will be marked by darkness and deception and destruction. And we're seeing that increasingly in our own day. This is a time then for us to proclaim God's word simply and boldly. Jesus told us that we're the light of the world. Paul told the Philippines that they're to shine as lights in a perverse and wicked generation. And know the truth embraces that mission. We exist to preach the gospel, to shine the light of God's truth upon lives. We want the lost to be found. We want disciples of Jesus Christ to be deepened and pointed to the truth of God's Word. We exist to shine the light into the darkness. But the fact is, without the generous support of listeners like you, we wouldn't be on the air at all. We are a listener-supported ministry. And right now, we want to extend a big thanks to anyone and everyone that has given us their support here at Know the Truth and on this station. Your gifts have made a difference, and they're changing lives for eternity through the preaching of God's Word received. And so you can join us in this great enterprise of shining the light into the darkness. You can do that by giving a donation right now. Simply call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. All right. Thanks, Philip. And as a thank you for your gift of any amount, you'll receive Living by God's Promises. This encouraging book provides rich content that will equip Christians to live with confidence, assurance, and energy daily. And if you decide to sign up to give monthly as a Truth Ambassador in January, you'll receive the brand new Know the Truth shirt 
as a wearable reminder of our special partnership. You'll also receive a welcome package from Pastor Philip with newly written books, quarterly newsletters, and other exclusive benefits designed just for Truth Ambassadors. Once again, call us at 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. If you'd prefer to write, address your envelope to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Before you go, be sure to connect with us on social media. Just search Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy, and then press like or follow to stay connected. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd signing off for now, but join us again next time for more bold biblical teaching from Philip DeCourcy right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.